I'm Kevin Jones. And I'm Chris Moore. And we started the homos on Haunted Hill so that we can throw a party. A horror film party. <laughs> It'll be quite amusing. There'll be madmen and chainsaws and ghosts and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. Miss me? <laughs> you like my fur Freddy impression? It's really dead on. I know. You're like, it was is pretty that good. Robert I, England? Wow. I know you're working on it all Halloween weekend, and it was, it was, I think the work paid off. I was trying different line readings, you know, miss me? Mm-hmm. Miss me? Mm-hmm. Those are the only miss two. But... me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. Miss me. Miss me. Hello. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire, the Freddy Krueger version. <laughs> miss me. <laughs> oh, God. That would have been something that happened in, like, Freddy, Freddy's Dead. You'd have, like, um, Mrs. Doubtfire there. <laughs> and she'd just turn around and be like, hello. It'd be Freddy Krueger. <laughs> But it would be like the scene where the boobs are on fire and everything, and they would just like light up and flames would start fire. Keep inflating and shit, and then yes, like yes. smother someone to death. Mm-hmm. These these eighties franchises, yeah, they 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 mm-hmm. took some turns here. Um, they did. Uh, Although this is still one of the better ones, all to all. To all yeah, together. all things considered, yeah, I would still watch this over Friday the Thirteenth. Sorry, folks, but uh, oh, it's, you're you're it's, you're, uh, gonna, you're gonna get some hate mail. Uh, and everybody has strong opinions about this, but yeah. What is wrong with Jason Takes Manhattan, Kevin? <laughs> Don't you love fun? Jason Goes to Hell was a masterpiece. Listen, he <laughs> went to hell for you. Huh? He, he made out with After some guys for you, he okay? <laughs> he shaved a nude man. I feel like that's the only thing I really like about that movie is the, like, gayness of it at times. And they had a gay director, so I guess there's oh. that. But I don't think he's gay. I think he's married. Is he? Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Never mind then. <laughs> Why did I think he was gay? Is the somebody I don't think was gay? Everyone's gay, movie. Kevin. <laughs> I, I, I that, that must be it. I just, I just assume everybody's gay until not you prove me otherwise. <laughs> Wes Craven was not a homosexual either. Just not for your know. information. <laughs> what a great human being he was, though. He seemed like such a good dude. I just like the way he speaks too. He's just so, like, eloquent. And, you can just tell he actually thinks before he speaks. That's so rare, right? You know, right? Because he taught literature and folklore and this this movie just feels so personal mm-hmm. in that regard and other regards in terms of his relationship with this franchise and yeah. um wanting to give sort of heather this great moment too where she, she had actually been stalked right by someone right um after yeah. part three and so they literally wrote that into this movie and yeah um, and i remember hearing him say that what he found fa- he found so fascinating was that her stalker wasn't necessarily a fan of these movies but of the Mm -hmm. sitcom that she was on and he always thought that was kind of strange that it was this sort of light family friendly sitcom that calls the stalker and not the horror movie you know right yeah yeah so weird you never know what work someone is going to know you by i guess yeah or yeah be invested in you as yeah Hmm. it's just fascinating you're gonna make some like commercial for something and someone's gonna be obsessed with you and you're gonna get a stalker and there you go yeah like i'm sure jamie lee curtis gets activia stalkers all the time probably probably i mean that's you know <laughs> more people have seen that commercial than uh the horror movies so probably so i mean it was everywhere for a while so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if 
if if Jamie Lee ha- has a stalker, I'm sure she has several. She's very famous. You know, let's give her right, some credit. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I'm sure she has many a stalker. Yeah. An assortment of stalkers, you know, <laughs> one for like each a, day of the week. It's just a regular Whitman's sampler of stalkers that she can just right. pick from each, exactly. each day of the week. An advent calendar of sorts that you just open up and. (laughs) I think I'll talk to Herb today. No, it's Mm. it's Adrian's day. Let's Adrian. He's so so needy. (laughs) What are we talking about? Okay, stalkers. Yeah, and then stalkers. Stalker Channing. Um, Stalker uh... Channing. Okay. Oh, Chucky. There we go. (laughs) Oh, I still (laughs) haven't seen it. Oh, we can't talk about it then, Chris. I know. I it's 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 a problem. I know. It's good. It's good. That's all I'll say. It's really good. Thank you. Thank you. For um, we'll talk about it next know. week. We <laughs> <So> will. <depressed. laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it next week. It's uh, it is a tour de force for Miss Jennifer Tilly. So, oh, to I like all those words. I love <laughs> tour Boris Jennifer Tilly. Yes, Maggie. <laughs> yes. Well, and I, um, I still can't watch Queer for Fear because Shutter is being bubbles. What mm. is going on? I am so upset. That's that's really frustrating. I haven't finished the episode either, so maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about Chucky and Quiverfair next week. We'll see. Okay. Just to yeah. Kind of wrap just, things up for that. Yeah. I know. I'm so upset. I was. Ugh. Um. You know what I did watch? What? What did you watch? Uh, a movie you saw like a month ago, uh, Barbarian. <gasps> Barbarian. That's what the trailer should have had. Just a just a guy reading the title. I think so. Barbarian, do you dare see Barbarian? <laughs> I did. I did dare see it. Um, Kevin really dare see Barbarian. What did, I, what, what did I watch? I don't really know, but I watched it. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot to take in, isn't it? It's. Yeah. I get. Okay. So brief spoiler alert here, folks. Maybe skip ahead a few minutes yeah. here. Um, you know, it's got these three acts, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the first act, fairly straightforward. Um kind of been there done that but like it kept my attention i was like where's this going with uh her coming to this house and there's this mm-hmm. guy here and it's um you know it's pennywise so you know bad things are gonna happen and um <laughs> then you get this like whiplash second act which i'm like okay i'm here for it because i like justin long enough mm-hmm. um totally very different from the first act oh, and okay. again where is this going um and then the third act is just like nuts i don't know he just like <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's like he just threw the script out the window. It's like, you know, just go go crazy. You know, it's it's um it's something. I it didn't work as well for me as Malignant did, uh, to be honest. And I think I think Malignant committed more to just being insanity and uh supernatural and just so over the top. And it kind of um teased that at the beginning of the movie with that crazy prologue. Whereas this, I don't know, it almost didn't go far enough for me. Um I don't know. This is just me, but uh uh i don't know like it's like he couldn't decide if he was going to stay grounded in reality or not because this mother character she's like in she can't be indestructible you know she, she can't be right. killed like they fucking run her over with a car and uh, mm-hmm. throw her off a building and she's like fine and i'm like it just feels i don't know again like he couldn't decide what to do and if he was going to go for all out camp then i would have rather it just been some crazy fucking supernatural thing like malignant was um but i don't know that's me yeah, I, I guess the, the I enjoyed it overall, um, mm-hmm. but I guess the the first half of the movie is pretty serious in a way. Like it right. felt like it was b- right. building to something like I kept thinking it was going to be like some like weird like snuff movie yeah. going on yeah. down there or something. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has like a darker tone. And then, yeah. of, of course, the 
second part kicks in and it's like a weird like hollywood dark comedy movie right. I, I i don't know and then at the end it's like a weird creature feature mm-hmm. um so it's mm-hmm. like all these weird things kind of coming together and, and yeah and some parts work and some parts are just kind of like whoa that didn't quite hit the landing exactly as i had expected right. but um, um i do like that it ended with be my baby i thought that that i was did a like nice that touch. <laughs> i did like that that's a th- like i think it, it's almost like I mean, I hate to use Pulp Fiction as a reference, but it, it uses that sort of non-linear-ish right. storytelling method where it's like, it, it. I think it makes you think that there is more going on than is actually going on um, mm-hmm. because it has all these red herrings and uh, time jumps back to the 80s and it keeps you on your feet because you don't know where it's going. I just don't think it ever really goes anywhere particularly interesting to me anyway. Um, uh, once you kind of know what's going on, it's like I needed one final big reveal or something at the end because like once you know that there's this mother character down there and she's with this, uh, you know, the her dad, I guess, um, slash lover slash whatever is going yeah. on in that that creepy ass basement. Uh, it's like I just kept waiting for like another reveal or something that would just like make everything else sort of click and that didn't really happen. Um, yeah, the ending like, was just like, let me just throw people off the building and then I'll kill Justin Long and then we're done. <laughs> didn't they like imply that there were others like that he had impregnated lots of people and there were like all kinds of babies and stuff? I, I kept expecting there to be like a bunch of them at some point. Yeah, I wanted there to be a little bit more there. I wanted there to be maybe this is just like a small thing, but I wanted there to be some sort of explanation about why at the beginning, both of these people were double booked into an Airbnb at the same time. <laughs> That's my like logical brain. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, I don't know, know why this actually happened. That how that happened exactly right Uh, right um there's just all these little like questions that i have that again i think if he had just went completely camp at the end i wouldn't even be questioning it because it'd be like malignant mm -hmm. but i i I don't think he quite went there he went like halfway there maybe even Mm three-fourths of the way there but i just needed it to be like a little more but that was just me it was okay it was decent it was well directed i liked the performances i thought justin long was very good um Mm -hmm. as this like because you didn't really know what to make of this character but because it's justin long i think i was like oh he must be an okay guy until you like find out more and more about like what actually happened and you're like oh okay he's like a rapist okay i do Um, like that at the end it's like they like they tease this like character arc for him like he's gonna become a good a good guy and then he just like runs away (laughs) right exactly i was like that's perfect i love it that's too funny and throws the girl off the building. Uh, <laughs> but the best shot of the entire film, though, is when the mother ca- character leaps off the building after her. Yes. And it's like yeah. the slow-mo shot of the mother going, <laughs> like right, right to the right. camera. When I tell right. you I burst into laughter in the theater, I mean, it was, I couldn't stop. I was like, all right, stop was, winning I mean, me over, Barbarian. Yeah, I mean, it's just nuts, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't know why Malignant worked better for me than um, that one did, but for some reason it did. I mean, you, listen, you came, you saw, you made an opinion. I, what else can you yeah, do? I made an opinion. I, I, that's all I can do, folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only big thing I haven't watched so far, and it's a it's a biggie that I'm looking forward to, is Pearl. So maybe next week oh, we can talk about Pearl, too. I think you're going to like Pearl. Like, I don't want to hype so. it up, but I think you'll like it. I mean, I loved X. And yeah. if it's, I heard it's different, but as long as it's like, kind of similar then speaking of which the the white lotus has started back up i've not watched it yet but it's it's back i have a bone to pick with some people okay 
Okay, right, because pick, pick that bone, you know, Chris, pick it. they are releasing rom-coms and dramas and shows like this in the October season. Can we wait till mm-hmm. November or December? Because October is horror time. Okay, it I want to see the the it's um the Julia Roberts George Clooney movie. I want to see that. Right. I want to see Tar with Kate Blan- Blan- Blanchett. I want to mm-hmm. see The White Lotus, which starts this weekend. But it's Halloween. And I got, I've got other priorities. So let me get around to it, people. You already released, they released a Sigourney Weaver, Kevin Klein movie, and I didn't get to see it because it played for like a week because it's October and you do not release these movies in October. Didn't even Damn know it. this was a, I didn't even know this was a thing. I heard nothing about it. See? You see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this I think that's problem. a fair, that's a fair concern. The, and movies, me. yeah, like Ticket to Paradise and Bros, like this stuff should have come out in February or Bros yes. could have came out in June because it was Pride mm-hmm. Month. Exactly. Um, and the White Lotus should be during the summer because that's when the first season was and it was like perfect yeah. viewing for summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that, I don't know who planned it. I don't know if it's partly because of the pandemic and they were like, let's just push everything back to late in late in the year um, maybe. because maybe things will be settled even more by then. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird choice and I don't support it either. I'm so upset because I, you know, I want to make sure that these movies make some m- money. I want to su- 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 right. support them so that more things get right. made l- like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's Halloween time. I, right. I'm I'm entitled to one good scare or a few or a few, you know, 31 yeah. throughout the month. You know, yes. Why not? Take it to paradise. It's always already streaming. I'm like these movies. Like, it is. Oh, they're, wow. they're there for like a day and then it's like streaming. I mean, it's still in theaters, yeah. but um. Yeah, it, it that kind of does blow my mind as someone that grew up having to wait like a year for a movie right. to come out on tape. Like this is yeah. just so strange. It's like a month later. It's like here's the special edition Blu-ray. I'm like, wait, right? Wh- how? It was just plain last week. I almost think they're going to get to a point. Like, I mean, it's essentially what they just did with this Ticket to Paradise movie. It's like where they they wait like a week and. Like, it's just assumed that's going to, like, the people they're going to see in theaters are going to see it, like, the first week and then mm-hmm. just go ahead and release it. But, which I don't know yeah. if that's a good marketing plan or not, but I guess that's why they're trying it out, like, with all other things. But, um, or, like, it's Halloween Ends, they just release it at the same time, which I, I yeah. still kind of blows my mind because there was no reason, really, to do that. But, uh, no, like, how Hall- Halloween fans were going to go see it in the theaters. I mean, that's... Right, right. I don't know but, why... Weird time. It's like the... Everything was just so the same for decades that like Mm -hmm. it just feels like we're in this new frontier that has never i mean we just don't know where things are going you know with exactly um but uh i guess that's that's uh life and we'll see (laughs) oh change change is goofy i don't like it i just got used to movie theaters yeah (laughs) cineplexes The ones with multiple screens and how do you? How do you can, can you hear the ones next to you? <laughs> Where's the drive-in? Where's the picture show? <laughs> I want a malt. Where's the malt shop? <laughs> That's a throwback to our previous episode, folks. Go listen. We're throwing it way back. Oh my way goodness! Way back to last week. Do you week. remember <laughs> it? Do you remember y'all? I can't bl- blame you if you don't. I mean, I don't remember what I did yesterday. Many many years ago. Um, uh, also, folks, we have a website. That I took the time to build. So go check it out. It's at um, homosunhauntedhill.com. It's a catchy uh, name. I, catchy. I think so. I like Thanks to you. Thank you. I, I tried to come up with something that, uh, you know, original that we haven't, you know, used <laughs> on everything. <laughs> Those homos over there.com was already taken. <laughs> so. 
homos on the moon homos yeah in a grave homos that's sad um homos getting dark (laughs) get a little dark yeah uh sorry my comedy tends to veer a little toward the macabre sometimes if you haven't noticed um yes there's there's a lot on there i mean you can i mean not really it's just like a giant pin board to like other (laughs) other places but it's there um you can uh, there i there's a site that you can click and watch chris's movies there's um you can listen to our episodes even though you're already doing that and yeah. uh, uh i mean there's a lot go check it out i even have a little page where you can listen to us sing if you want we, we have many little avenues to explore right. we've got nuances we have layers yes we do we're like a lasagna exactly um you just keep you never know what you're gonna find in there right you know no. just keep digging in there jam you who knows some, me hey peanut butter <laughs> I mean, I it sounds kind of delicious, like a dessert las- lasagna. Mm, that's, yeah. Is that a thing? It should be. That's about all that's going on. I mean, uh, yeah, it's not. Rest in peace, too, Leslie too, Jordan, too. We should. Oh, God, that hurts. That one really hurts. I did not expect that to hurt as much as it did, but I also I just know. thought that was just going to be one of those per- people that was just alive forever. So, yeah. And it just really sucks mm-hmm. that he had, like, just discovered, like, real, like, insane fame, too. Like, right. everybody knew right. who he was. Well, was because of like the pandemic instagram stuff mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just right at that point he's just gone and yeah. but i think what's comforting is that i have not heard a single bad story ab- about that guy like it's always like the right. nicest most positive things right i love that yeah that's a life well lived it's it's uh, i mean we talked about it before but it's like when we were kids it's like will and grace was like all there was and you know, he was yeah. he was a part of that he wasn't on like every episode but when he did show up mm-hmm. it was great and then he did you know sorted lives which a lot of people haven't oh, seen you should go you should so go good. watch it because it's, oh please it's fantastic do. it's so um, funny I, I still haven't seen the tv series i've just seen the movie so i need to watch oh it's the good TV series is it? it's good why it's quite good and then there's an, another movie too right sorted wedding or something mm-hmm. or yeah. is that a yeah 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 cool cool okay well Let's talk about this movie. The year was 1994. 1994. Yes, I was six years old. I had literally just turned six because this movie came out on October 14th. So what was going on? A lot of grunge, a lot of uh, weird fashion choices. Very 1994. As we said last week or whenever it was, two weeks ago, I can't keep track of anymore. Horror, weird time because the slashers are not so wonderful at this point. At least the big studio slashers. Maybe some of the indie ones were fun, but uh, the studio ones were... Stuff like Freddy's dead and, uh, you know, Jason goes to hell and uh, Jason, <laughs> you know, fucks a cow. Who knows? We don't know. Oh, that was um, my favorite. Oh, the <laughs> musical numbers favorite? in that were sublime. Oh, <laughs> the costumes. Oh, uh, I didn't like it because it took the whole movie for him to fuck the cow. And then he just, it, you know, it was only at the last scene. <laughs> he was on a boat the whole movie. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> what was he doing on the roller boat the whole skating movie? scenes. Oh, uh, art. Mm. The roller disco on the cruise, yes. Fantastic. Jason on skates, oh, mm-hmm. such mm-hmm. a good idea. Good Why stuff, has Jason stuff. never been on skates? Uh, he'd be That's a clunky, question but... that just keeps <laughs> me up at night. <laughs> I'm just picturing that scene from Muppet Takes Ma- Ma- Muppets Take Manhattan when this piggy <laughs> gets on the skates. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I I hope the next one is just him on skates the whole time. Yeah. That's all we need. That's what the world needs now. Make up for years of missed opportunities. Yeah. Olivia Newton-John songs just playing in the background. That's, that's I like it. That's what we need. Hmm. Jay Xanadu. 
I don't know. Oh, I like that. Um, what else here? I mean, uh, but you had a lot of thrillers, right? A lot of mindfuck type stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Misery, Jacob's Ladder, Silence of the Lambs, In the Mouth of Madness, which also has this kind of meta vibe that this one does. And mm-hmm. uh, Candyman, also a mindfuck. Yes, it's a slasher, but it's also, there's more going on in that movie than, you know, just slashing and dashing. Um, I'm not going to get too much into the history of this. Y'all can read on Wikipedia and go watch the giant, the uh, giant documentary series. Um, uh, what's it called again? The Never Sleep ne- Again. Ne- Never Sleep Again. Yes, blanket on that name. Yes. Um, and each film has like its own giant segment right it's like an hour long oh, yeah. or something it's it's, it's, it's pretty one of the in-depth. best documentaries like they don't really leave many mm-hmm. stones unturned they're just yes asking everybody everything and everyone's mm-hmm. just spilling the beans yeah so go, go watch that if you haven't yet y'all um if you have not watched all of the sequels you don't need to i would say for this one you just need to watch one probably three and then this one um mm-hmm. if you are a casual nightmare fan who has not partaken you should partake because um most of them are actually pretty fun yeah four is really fun actually i was i hadn't seen that one in many years and then like a couple years ago i was like this is this is actually a good time i like it oh i love Um, part four yeah it's it's like i know everyone's all like that's when freddy really became like goofy and scary but i'm like i really like the characters in that movie so even though he's goofy there's still a threat because you don't want them to get hurt so right He's still killing them. He's just cracking jokes as, as he does it. I think so. Yeah. I mean, just to do a quick rundown, you know, you have the original, which of course is a masterpiece in its own right. Um, mostly serious. There's a couple of jokes here and there, but it's, you know, uh, it's pretty um, very dark fail, fairy tale kind of vibe here, which this even takes oh, yeah. even further. Um, and then you have part two, which was just like a totally different direction, you know, very gay, very camp, um, just doing it. Doing its own thing, essentially. Um, part three, also very good. Um, I don't know. What, what do you have to say about part three? Tell me. Three I more love years. part three. I do I love like it. I think too. it is. I mean, it's, you know, it's like the typical cliche fan favorite, but it's that way for right. a reason. Because you right. have these great characters. You have this sort of creepy asylum where they're all trapped because their parents are like, we can't deal with our kids. We can't deal with them. Just right. send them away. They're crazy. Mm-hmm. And so they, mm-hmm. they. They have to form their own family. It's their chosen family. That's why the gays love it, because we have chosen families. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, and I love that Heather's back. I love that she's now someone who helps the children, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she rocks that gray streak. And I right. cry every time that she dies, even though I feel yeah. like she wouldn't have been tricked that easily. I'm like, that's not a girl. I know. But um, what are you going to do? And then we already talked about part four. A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um Part five, I don't know. It has some interesting ideas. Um, kind yeah, of Rosemary's Baby type thing. Um, a little undercooked, I think. It but is. It is. The, the it concepts is. are great. It's just that I, uh, that was like the first one that I ever saw, I think. So I've got like a little kind of mm-hmm. special place for it in, in my heart. But sure. And I do like the actual dream sequences, the way they're shot. And um, mm-hmm. the deaths are really creative and kind of strange and stuff like yeah. that but yeah it's like somewhere in the middle it just kind of drags yeah you're like oh yeah. just end already i feel like they cram a lot into that movie too yeah. even though it does drag like in the middle um because mm-hmm. there's all this stuff with well, there's more stuff with um his mother amanda yeah um and you get this kind of rosemary's baby type thing but it doesn't have any of that film's like i don't know 
suspense really it's more just right i I don't know but but i agree like some of the dream sequences are are fun i feel like that was just a really rushed movie like every sequel in 1989 was so freaking rushed i mean halloween 5 jason takes manhattan they were all just greenlit immediately after the last ones and they were just thrown into production and they didn't have time to really think this stuff through and i think you can kind of just you you can you can sense that and maybe the studios just thought that the slashers were kind of on their last ring here they had to get something Mm -hmm. out really fast but you yeah i agree you can definitely feel the loss of quality in um some of these movies not that every friday the 13th movie is like a a structural (laughs) masterpiece but you know (laughs) They do teach them in film school, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> they probably do these days. Who knows? I mean, they might, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It, it's weird how, like, true. movies that are considered trash at one point live long enough, and you'll see them regarded as masterpieces of sorts in their own particular genre. Isn't that genre. funny? Like, I know. It's, it's, I love it's, that. It's, no, well, Freddy's dead, but nothing no, else to say about I, that. It's, it's a giant Looney Tunes cartoons. That. I assume that was probably Wes Craven's, like, last stand when he saw that movie um because he watched all the movies before he did this one um and uh what about this let's see he set out to make a deliberately more cerebral film uh because he felt the franchise had become too cartoonish yes here we go and uh not faithful to his original themes the basic premise was one that he had pitched in place of dream warriors but the studio didn't like it so he had to go and make dream warriors instead which i can understand that because this meta angle was probably way too self-aware for 1985 or something you know i can't imagine that yeah and you feel a lot of that proto scream influence in this movie um Mm -hmm. just in terms of all the meta it reminds me of actually weirdly not tonally but like a lot of the stuff that he did with the behind the scenes stuff in scream 3 like when she walks into Mm -hmm. her um house and everything yeah um, definitely that very moment where in that, yeah. she uh she becomes nancy at the end that's such mm-hmm. a great moment and the music just yeah. swells and the theme plays and she's in the pajamas right. oh that's such it's, a great, it's great part it's wonderful it's wonderful oh, it's goosebumpy um, i love it and some of the like the behind the scenes meetings with like producers and uh, you know directors and things and he'd kind of do a little bit in scream three it was campier then but it was you know similar ideas uh what else so he wanted to portray kruger closer to how he had originally imagined which is sort of darker and less comical i don't know i i'm always kind of mixed about how he looks in this movie like i know what he was going for kind of this kind of dark fairy tale thing but i kind of prefer the original look if i mean maybe it's because i've you know seen it many times but yeah, i get what he's I, going for you i kind of go back and forth too there's there are shots where he's he's really scary Mm-hmm. And then there are some when I'm like, is he wearing leather pants? <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, wait. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if that works. But I think this was the first time I had seen Freddy as a kid because this came out in 94 and I was a, right. I was very young and I remember the TV spots and I mm-hmm. remember being so scared of him. Oh, yeah. So, this was the first. I, mean, I guess it worked. Yeah. I mean, it it was effective. This is the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie I saw. Um and it, what a weird one to like start with, but uh, it's yeah. I mean, the you kind of get the more organic looking. He has like his fingers look more like bones, and mm-hmm. um, I get he was going going for more kind of a fairy tale kind of creature vibe, and yeah. it works in that regard. Um, uh, it's something a kid would be afraid of and imagine type thing. Absolutely. Um, there's you know all these earthquake scenes in the beginning, which ironically 
there were earthquakes like right after the movie. So I don't know if Wes Craven unleashed those in the world, but uh, um, they had all these earthquakes around Northridge, um, around North, uh, Los Angeles in 1994. Uh, he was going to ask Johnny Depp to make an appearance, but apparently was too timid to do so, which I don't know. I, I guess I can kind of understand because Depp was like kind of at the top of his game at this oh, yeah. point in the 90s. He'd just done um, Ed Wood, which I think at the time there was like Oscar buzz. I don't think he ended up getting any Oscar nominations for it, but uh, um, which is actually a great performance. It's probably mm-hmm. one of the best things he's done. And I mean, he'd also just done a cameo in Freddy's Dead. I mean, let's There's not that. act like he was he right. wasn't open to returning. In that's some true. Way. Like, you know, I'd, what a weird. Yeah, that's that's weird. He but I just ask I him. get it. But and yeah. I think I I heard somewhere where um, Wes Craven said that he ran into Johnny Depp somewhere years after that and told him that he he was like too scared to ask him to be in this. And he mm-hmm. and he was like, what? I would have totally done it if you had just asked. So I don't know. That would it yeah. would would have probably helped the film make, you know, a few more million at the box office, maybe. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that's true. True. Who knows? At that point, yeah, it wasn't. It, it didn't do so great at the box office. I, I, I think it was still a little too cerebral for audiences. Yeah. Um, I think it made what was it twenty million against like an eight million dollar budget, which I mean, at least it still over doubled its budget, but not particularly stellar. But, but, but again, the, the movie just feels so like personal to me. Like it felt like feels mm-hmm. like a movie that. He, I'm sure the studio was like, "Oh yeah, Wes, come back and do whatever you want." And Wes was like, "Okay, well, if I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna make like the movie that I actually want to make, and I would like to, you know, that's gonna like yeah. sum up my experience with this ten year franchise because this came out like the tenth anniversary of the original mm-hmm. film, and I, I I don't know, I respect that a lot um, when filmmakers yeah. do that, and they're like, you know, I'm not gonna this franchise has been going on forever. If you want me to back, I'll come back, but on my own terms, and it you know has to be a film that I actually would like to see and see myself in. Um, he kept a lot of the wardrobe from the first film and brought it back for this, like in the talk show stage scene. Um, he's actually wearing, um, Robert England is wearing the original Freddy costume from the first movie, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, they said that the shooting process was pretty easy and relatively free of complications. The uh, producer, um, Reacher, uh, says uh, all the other directors had to be guided through, but Wes by then was the master. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. dream master. The dream master, if you will. <laughs> of course, we got Heather Heather Lang- Langenkamp back as Nancy Thompson, and uh, following, like we said, following her initial success uh, in the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie and Dream Warriors, she had this actual stalker um, when she was doing this ABC sitcom, ABC sitcom, um, Just the Ten of Us. I guess they initially were going to shoot some scene where Robert England is like turned into a. Sp- spider type thing a freddy spider type thing as an homage to the fly um, oh my god i i have no idea what that would have been like but uh they didn't shoot <laughs> wow. it because of time and budgetary constraints um so that's where robert england disappears to in the last act of the movie he's just I guess one so. of yeah, he's, spider he's... web being like help right. me <laughs> yeah yeah that's true yeah it would have been interesting to see him like killed by his own creation type thing yeah you know? um Freddie comes through like the painting and like slashes him or something. That would have been interesting. Maybe a little cheesy, but I would have liked it because this movie doesn't have like, I mean, it is more cerebral, so it doesn't have as many like overt kills, Mm -hmm. but when they do hit, they're like really well done, particularly we'll get to the hospital. one. But like that fucking scene scared the shit out of me as a kid. And still, Oh, it's so fucking. Yeah. I mean, terrifying. It's absolutely. uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, 
Anything else? Like I said, it, uh, $20 million budget or 20 million um, uh, uh, receipts from the box office um, against eight, $8 million budget um, released on October 4th, 14th, 1994. So critics seem to like it, but uh, didn't make much at the box office. And um, But it has, I think, had a good afterlife. And um, yeah, it's definitely a cult favorite for many over the years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, I would love a like special edition 4K release. Um, uh, yeah, where's our like our remastered box set of the franchise? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, the Blu-ray set is kind of sad. It's just it yeah. has two films on one disc, and yeah, it's, just, it's a little dinky. Yeah, yeah. I don't really need Freddy's Dead and <laughs> this movie on the same disc. They are um, <laughs> they shouldn't be in the same universe together, let alone the same disc. But. <laughs> Get that trash off my disc. <laughs> um, Patrick Lazier, also the editor here. So there's your proto scream stuff as well. Oh yeah, uh, Lucier. I can never say his name right. Whatever it is. Yeah, is it, okay, okay. Patrick Lucier is is that Lucier? How you say it? it sounds French, so we'll go with that. Any big things right away? I mean, I I just like I said, I like the fact that it's um, it's got something to say, which is always a plus, mm-hmm. and uh, it feels personal for Wes and also. I think for Heather as well. Um, I don't know how much input she had in the script, but it seems very like her life. I mean, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, and the experience experiences that she's had uh, that she had with this franchise over the course of a decade. Um, and even like, I mean, you can, if you want to get all put your professorial glasses on, you could kind of read this movie as just like her sort of deciding whether to kind of come back to this franchise at all or not. Right. Um, because like all the bad stuff starts happening what essentially when they reach out to her you know and um Mm -hmm. and she's trying to decide like is this going to affect my family and um when she starts going into conversations like about doing this movie like it does start to have an effect on her family and i mean in like really visceral like uh violent ways that wouldn't necessarily happen in real life but you know a marriage can break up because like of you know someone going back to work and you can become distant from your kid and um so it does have this kind of domestic drama thriller kind of vibe to it throughout as well Absolutely. which is um really interesting and i i think that's that's a really cool way of bringing her back to the movie i don't, I don't know like i think we picked a good time to co- cover this movie because there has been like talks of her potentially coming back for another nightmare movie mm-hmm. and um like after something like this i, I just I, it would be interesting to see what they do with it but uh i don't i, I doubt it would be nearly as creative let me let me say I that uh, like I, I i sort of wish they would do something more like this than like an right. an, an actual like legacy sequel like i would rather right. it be like heather langenkamp herself is being asked to do a reboot and her trying to consider that that would be mm-hmm. more in- interesting than you know some just like let's pretend like nightmare on elm street was the only one there was never a part two or three or four and right exactly like where would you go with that i don't understand yeah we've like we've seen that done in multiple franchises and usually unless it's halloween h2o or Psycho 2 usually does not. But Psycho 2 didn't ignore films. So no, 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 of course not. But so, it, it, it it just, you need to have a reason to, to bring characters back. You can't just be like, well, yeah. we've got this this fan fav- favorite back, but they're not going to have anything to do or they're just going to do the same thing that they've done before. You, exactly. You, you have yeah. to have a reason. Like, that's why, like, I'm not upset that Sydney's not going to be in Scream 6 because I'm like, let her right. rest and then come up with a better story for her. And then right. it'll be more exciting when she returns, you know, don't, and like, you don't have to have them in every movie and pay her what she deserves too, you know? Yes. In yes. 
part seven or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think one of the, one of the only franchises that's like actually using legacy players well right now, I think is Charles play. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they brought these characters back and they don't always give them like a million things to do, but they give them enough and they make it interesting. Yeah. yeah I agree though. If you're going to bring people back, find a way to do it. That feels organic and actually gives them something to do. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just it just fan service, but fan service for the wrong reason. Like the, fan service yeah. can be, I think, can be an okay thing. I think sometimes people have this bad right. idea of fan service, but like you, you have to do it in a way that is, yeah, like I said, organic and makes sense and yeah, works for the characters and yada yada yada. Okay, what's going on in this co- complex heady movie? Well, we open on a a. a uh... <laughs> A, a, a creepy kind of dungeon look in place. And there are these mm-hmm. hands that are constructing a glove. It looks an awful lot like the opening of the original. And you're like, is Freddy back at his old games? But he's mm-hmm. constructing this glove that's very different. It's like this mechanical looking creepy thing. And then yeah. you see these hands take a meat cleaver and just chop off their hand and jam the glove on it. And then you hear mm-hmm. a guy go cut. And you're like, wait, what? And it's Wes Craven directing an actor shooting a scene and you're like oh my god it's so meta it's so meta what what is this movie my head is exploding already it's been a minute i'm like what's going on and um and he's like more blood more blood and you're like oh so this is just just a movie that he's making and for some reason heather langenkamp is there and she's dressed like nancy and you're like oh it must be another nightmare on elm street movie and she's Mm -hmm. there with with her son and her husband who does the special effects for the movie and all of a sudden, this mechanical glove starts losing its mind and, like, mm-hmm. attacking the special effects team. Um, yeah. There's uh, there, there are these two guys that Chase works with. That's her husband, um, Chuck and Terry, I think. And, that sounds right. And they are attacked by the glove like it like it tears in into their throats and starts like crawling on the floor. It has like a Mm -hmm. a, a life of its own. And Heather's freaking out. Wes is freaking out and she can't find her son, Dylan. And she's like, where did he go? And then all of a sudden the glove like comes towards Chase, her husband, and she screams and is like, no. And then she wakes up and she's in her bedroom and there's an earthquake. And she and she and Chase run downstairs and there's debris flying everywhere and they go and they find Dylan and they cradle him and they're like, it's going to be okay. And we should know, uh, is it Miko or Miko? Miko, Miko, right? Miko Hughes from, yeah, Pet Cemetery and uh, Kindergarten Cop. Kindergarten Cop, Full Mm -hmm. House. I think he was on that, right? Heather has this like interview thing to get ready for. She's she's going on like a talk show and um. And then Heather notices that Chase's finger has been cut like it was in her dream. And she's like, what the hell? That's kind of strange. And then all of a sudden, like, he leaves to go on this trip for work. And there's, like, another earthquake. And it makes this big, like, Freddy claw on her wall in her bedroom. And she's like, what the hell? And And she goes back downstairs and finds Dylan watching A Nightmare on Elm Street on TV. And she turns it off and he just starts like screaming and freaking out. And mm-hmm. and like she's like, what is going on? And then there's a phone call from this creepy dude who sounds a little bit like Freddy Krueger. And he's all like, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. And she like throws the phone down. And then there's like a knock on the door and it turns out to be Julie, the babysitter. She feels kind of guilty about leaving 
Dylan with Julie. So she's already kind of starting that whole, like, I don't know if I should get back into work thing. Right. And, and Julie's got like a little bit of like a Rebecca de Mornay kind of vibe to her too. So you're yeah, like, you're, what's you're, going you're on? not sure like what Julie's game is going to be. And I think I read somewhere where in one of the drafts, she was actually like a pawn of like the yes. evil creature. And she, she was going to be like, I guess like the nanny and the omen or something. And like, right. you know, that's what I've read too. Yeah. Evil. Yeah. Um, but right. I'm kind of glad that they went this direction because yeah. I really like her. Well, and it makes her death sequence like even oh, more intense. Oh, horrifying. Too. Yeah. Yeah, and, this limo uh, driver. Kind of a dick. Oh, he's you know? a creeper. He's he's, he's, he's like, like, aren't you that girl that was in that movie? It's like mm-hmm. that your boyfriend got sucked into the bed and killed your friend. Right. It's like they never right. should have killed Freddy. And right. Typical like, like scary. Typical entitled fan who's like, oh yeah, the killer's the 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 main one and the I mean you were yeah. okay, I guess, you know, as that girl, <laughs> yeah. but like they never should have killed Freddy. He was the the main part of this movie, you know. <laughs> it's so weird. And uh and so then she goes to the talk show. Oh, I love this. This whole sequence is like maybe my favorite part of the movie. Actually, I don't know. I just I love it. <laughs> I do um, love just it. Like, I mean, he's so fucking pressy, and it, it um it's it's very typical of like talk show hosts, you know. Um, yeah. They just want to talk about like, oh, what's your relationship with like the fans, and like, oh, what you, is Freddie really dead? And she's just like, of course yeah. he is. Like he's it's been like, dead for like years. How has this been on your son? And she's like, uh, I don't right, know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she clearly is very uncomfortable, like talking about like her personal life, and he's just like pressing her the whole time about this. So it's like, come on. So awkward. And then of course he's he's like, well, I've got a big surprise. Here's Robert England, and he here's he slices through the the back wall and is in full co- costume and makeup and the audience is going right. nuts they're all like freddy freddy he's like high five fiving kids apparently based on a real occurrence that um i think heather and wes were at some like interview like this and something exactly very similar to this i didn't write it down but i just remember mm-hmm. glancing over this um and something about like kids went crazy in the audience and they were like freddy 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 and parents were like what, what's going on <laughs> it's so bizarre yeah it's like because you create this character that you meant to be scary and all of a sudden it's it's changed like the perception in the public has morphed into this almost like lovable comic yeah you're like what have i created you know this isn't what i had intended and so then like they're back backstage at the end and heather's all like you know you should have told me and he was and robert england's all like oh i wanted to surprise you and i love that like he is there with like hundreds of like fans in the background and he's like signing yeah. autographs and she's in the for <laughs> the foreground just like checking her watch like i guess right okay, i got nothing right. got nothing right. and um and so then as she's leaving she gets a phone call from sarah risher from new line cinema and she's like can you have a meeting and she's like i guess she's like when and she's like i'll just have the car send you to new line and so she gets to new new line and meets Sarah and she's all like hey Bob Shay wants to talk to you and she goes and she meets Bob and Bob is like so I got a call from Wes and he's working on a new Freddy script and Heather's all like I didn't think Wes did horror anymore and he was all <laughs> like well he hasn't called me in a decade because he has, hasn't had it any really scary nightmares but this thing is inspired he's having all these dreams i don't know what it's up about yet but we want you to come back and she's like i thought you killed freddy and he's like well the fans want him back so we're gonna do one but we 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 want you to play nancy and she's like i don't know i've got a kid now and he's like but kids love horror and she's like i just don't think it's the right the right time and 
all this stuff and and she's like i've got other things going on right and then he reveals that chase has been working on a secret prototype for a, a new glove and she's like wait what like in my dream and she's like has anyone involved had like weird dreams or phone calls and all of a sudden the phone rings and bob's like Ugh. and she's like aren't you gonna answer your phone bob <laughs> like that's what we pay people to do around here (laughs) and so she goes back home and dylan is having like a full attack again and julie's in his bedroom trying to sue them heather runs in and she's like what's going on and then all of a sudden dylan's talking in like this weird like freddy slash exorcist kind of a voice he's all like she's like what is happening right now he's like never sleep again and then right. he just goes right back to being a kid again. And she's like, what is going on here? And so she calls Chase and is like, oh, can you get home? Because Dylan's having these weird uh, like attacks and stuff. And also, why didn't you tell me you were working on a new glove? And he's like, it was a surprise. And he's mm-hmm. like, Chuck and Terry didn't come into work. And she's like, wait, what, what, what the hell? That's weird. And he's, he's like, I don't know. They're just probably sick. But he leaves and he goes on the road. And then Heather reads Dylan a bedtime story, Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, all these mother-son sequences are cute. and uh, I love them. Set up. I, apparently, the word Dylan is said like a hundred times in this movie, which I can, really? now that I've watched it, I can kind of see that. <laughs> yeah. Is it as they many as Carol Ann in Poltergeist 3, where that's the entire I'm script? Sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Carol Ann? Carol Ann? Mm-hmm. Carol Ann? <laughs> like my god and then um you know they bond and talk about how um his favorite stuffed animal rex who's this really adorable little dinosaur who they actually found sliced when she first got got home i forgot to mention that there's a lot in this movie there's so much there's going on and um and she's like why (laughs) do you need him to protect you and he shows her under his covers and he's like at at night this creepy man like comes in from under my bed and like comes in through the co- covers and they check and they see there's nothing down there. And he's like, it's different when you're gone. <laughs> and then chase is on the way back home and he's having a hard time staying awake. Mm-hmm. And of course he's having those little micro naps and like the, 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 the claws are like coming through the cushion of his chair kinda, and like it's kind of gay to you it's a little gay to me like where the, the I mean, comes through and like almost touches his crotch and it's like it oh, just okay. sort of tickles the dick a bit it's like hey yeah. hey chase Freddy his dick hey and mm-hmm. and it's like a little tease and then mm-hmm. he falls asleep completely and that's when the the, the glove just explodes and just right. and comes out and stabs him in the stomach and slices him and and then he loses control of the car and it crashes and Heather mm-hmm. wakes up and she's like it was a nightmare okay good and then Dylan's awake too and she's like why are you awake he's like I couldn't sleep and then ding dong there's there's someone at the door she goes mm-hmm. and it's these two cops and they're like there's been an accident ma'am your husband oh it's sad you can see like so the sad. look on her face like she she knows like what they're gonna say before they even yeah. say it it's it's yeah it's and she wants to see the body because she's she just wants to mm-hmm. make sure like did this actually happen like a dream or not so they go to the and yeah i love the bit in the in the morgue where she first wa- walks in and like in the background you just hear this woman like losing mm-hmm. it like like she's Wailing, just you know, yeah yeah because that's what these places are like there's just always someone in the background just right wailing and yeah. um 
and she goes and she finds the uh, mortuary attendant or the morgue attendant or whatever. And, um, and she's, and she's like, I'd like to see the body. And he shows her the head and she's like, I need to see more because she sees that this, this little drop of blood there on the chest. And she's like, what is that? And so she, she pulls it all the way back and there's these huge claw marks and she throws up on the floor mm-hmm. and, um, and she's all like, that looks like claw marks. Like what could do that? And he's all like, well, it was a bad accident, man. Like, you know, a lot of stuff could happen. She goes to the funeral and there's another earthquake and she falls and hits her head on the railing of the, uh, the casket. And she has yeah. this dream where Freddie is taking Dylan like into the casket and like on the yeah inside is like this tunnel it's, of like casket material it's, it's really like cool. more than an earthquake it's like a fucking tornado it just like comes yeah. through the <laughs> town and like, like wind <laughs> machines everywhere and, yeah yeah and and then uh she gets dylan back and then chase like comes to life and he's like bleeding from his eyes and and he's all like stay with me heather stay with me and she wakes right. up and she's freaking out and john saxon's all like it's okay it's just a night a nightmare mm-hmm. and and this funeral is like filled with people that have been involved in the past movies but like tuesday tuesday night is there from part four and right. nick Corey is there from part one i guess this is where john john johnny depp was go- going to be oh kind of random i like the score in this a lot too it's um oh Jay it's great Peter robinson i like how he brings yeah. in like themes from the original and kind of remixes them and mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's good kind of elevates things it's it's nice absolutely and uh, speaking of elevated things they go to the park (laughs) oh god this park scene dylan and john saxon and heather's talking about how like she's really concerned because mental illness runs in her family and one of her relatives was institutionalized and she's so scared Mm -hmm. that it's like being passed on to dylan and as she's talking to him dylan is like climbing this big slide and trying to reach god and he like falls off and they catch him and they're like what are you doing and he was all like god wouldn't take me it's so sad it's it's insane (laughs) it's so sad it gets to a point where heather's having all these dreams where like she dreams that freddie's claws like coming through her bed at night and then she goes downstairs and dylan has like attached these knives to his fingers with tape and like tries to attack her and stuff yeah the the kind of barrier between reality and fiction is very thin at this point it's hard to tell like yeah did did, like did that actually happen or was that just a dream or um yeah it's start starting to starting to fade a bit and 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 dylan's getting like nosebleeds and they're getting these notes in the mail with all these letters and stuff they're not really sure what it's supposed to spell and then one night she comes downstairs and he's like put them in this order and it says answer the phone and then there's like a phone a phone call and it turns into the freddy tongue like in the first Mm -hmm. movie and like Mm -hmm. the foam starts to come out out of the phone and then it comes out of dylan's mouth too and he has like this like seizure seizure thing and so she has to take him to the hospital and then we meet this doctor who is a piece of work, Dr. Hefner. She yeah. is a terror because immediately she's all like, is this because your son might have seen one of your films, one of your horror films? She's like, mm-hmm. no, like he's just, you know, I, I don't know what's going on, but he just he's not in a good place. 
but immediately she's like trying to blame the movies. And this doctor, I think Hefner is based on the guy that was in charge of the MPAA for right. years. That's what, yeah, that I was going to say that. Yeah. Wes just despised. It was, like, yeah. <laughs> so he was like, I'm going to name this doctor after him. And, right. um, and so Dylan has to stay for observation and she hears people talking like the nurses and they're like, it looks like it might be some sort of childhood schizophrenia. And so Heather has to return home and she has like a breakdown in the car. She almost like pulls out and hits a car and she's like, don't lose it now. Like, oh, Heather, you're going to be fine. You're going to make it after all. You will. We believe in you. And so that night she's just like drinking a bunch of coffee and reading up on like childhood schizophrenia and how actually it could have just it could just be a sign of sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. there's some rumbling and there's another earth earth earthquake. And mm-hmm. then she hears this strange noise in the closet and she goes to investigate and it's Freddy and he pops out and like pull pushes her on the floor and there and there and there's a big fight. And then there's like another earthquake and then he slices her arm and just disappears. She's like, oh shit, this is real. And at some point. uh, Oh, she has to see Wes first. Damn it. She has to see Wes and she sees, um, she calls Robert Robert too. Called Robert. Yeah. Yeah. And Robert's been working on this painting of Freddy because he's been having dreams too, where Freddy is, is, for Freddy's there, but he's different. He's darker, more evil somehow. More evil. And then she she goes to see Wes to ask him, like, okay, what's going on with this script? Like, what's happening? And she's all like, did you know what was going to happen? And he's like, I really didn't. Like, it's just coming to me in dreams, and I'm just writing it down. And she's like, well, right. what do we do? Like, what are we up against here? And he explains how when you create something evil, you're channeling this ancient kind of evil that can be captured for a, a while. But what happens is that if you stop making the movies, you stop telling the stories or you ban them or you make them funny or more right. pal- palatable to the mainstream somehow, they lose their power and end up getting kind of pissed off, I guess, and like wanting right. to like cross over into reality. Right. It's a, it's a little, it's, it's pretty heady. I could understand yeah. like slasher yeah. audiences at the time being like, what? <laughs> I don't understand what he, what is he talking about? Yeah. But it does seem very like based on mythology and um, yeah. Which, which again, like he was an expert of folklore and mythology oh, yeah. and everything else. And yeah, I know there are, I can't I forgot what it's called, but there's a toka or something. It's like something that only exists because you manifest it like an evil mm-hmm. creature type thing. And it kind of sounds similar to kind of what he's talking about here. Um, but yeah, he's kept it trapped in this apparently horror franchise for like a decade. And yeah, now that it's over, things are getting crazy. The genie's out of the bottle, as he says, mm-hmm. as they say. and the only way they can stop it is for them to make another movie. And right. she has to make a choice if she wants to play Nancy one last time. And she's like, but mm-hmm. I'm not like Nan- Nancy. And he's like, no, you were the one that gave her her strength. You have right. this in you. Right. And she's just her not agency. sure. Yes, exactly. And and like like I said, then she goes back home. She reads up on the schizophrenia and Freddy comes back and slices her arm. And she rushes back to the hospital to make sure that Dylan's okay. And he's in like an o- oxygen tent now. I don't know how he got in there. Dylan wakes up and 
like rips open the tent and throws up this like bile on her and then the doctor comes in and is all and is all like we're gonna cut this little booger open and like <laughs> just like cut this evil out of him and she turns mm. into freddy with the claw and then it turns out it's just a dream and she wakes up and dylan's gone and she's like where is he so she rushes out of the room and he's been taken into like another ward of the hospital and she's with um he's with julie now thank mm-hmm. thankfully because julie had a nightmare ab- about him and came to see him to make to make to make sure and so he's in pretty pretty good care there and then the doctor comes and and is like miss langenkamp we must go talk together and she's like it's going to be fine cuz Ju- julie's going to be with him but then there's these two nurses who are a little shifty and they sneak in there because Heather specifically says, do not let him get put to sleep. And they come right. in there with these little needles of sleeping aid and they stab <laughs> him. And then Julie like kicks their asses though. Yeah. She, Julie's like, not having it. Pun- punches one and then right. like threatens the other one to like in- in- inject her with some needle. And right. then she's this all like, part okay, of, let's, you know. A part of every early 90s domestic thriller where somebody gets punched in the face in a hospital. or Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's fantastic. The Guardian. The Guardian. Great, great, yeah. great, great movie. <laughs> great scene. <laughs> and, uh, and so Julie's all like, okay, Dylan, you have to stay awake, stay awake. But he's starting to fade and fade pretty fast. And the doctor is talking to Heather and she's all like, is there anyone in your family with mental illness? Do you take drugs? What's happening with your son? You know, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden her wound starts bleeding again because they had they had patched it up. But it keeps bleeding right when she starts to talk about Freddie because she's right. like, my son is afraid of Freddie. And the doctor's like the man from your films. What is this? Like, mm-hmm. I think you might be crazy. Maybe Dylan should be put into foster care while you go get some help. And she's like, oh, this is not going well. And then all of a sudden, as Julie is trying to keep Dylan awake, here comes Freddy. And he stabs Julie and drags her up the wall. And the nurses hear the screaming. They break in and just, like, see her being, like, levitated by nothing. And they freak out. It's so scary. And she's dragged up the ceiling. And she's, like, reaching out for Dylan and he's crying and I'm crying. It's just a whole thing. It's really sad. <laughs> and then, um, and then Freddie kills her, like snaps her neck and she falls and he's all like, Rex, I want my dinosaur. And Heather rushes out and tries to find him, but he's gone. And the doc, the doctor's like, he couldn't have gotten far. And, and she's like, well, he sleepwalks you idiot. He can just, he, I know where he's going. And she gets in her car and calls John Saxon and and is like, um, I can't find Dylan. Can you help me? I think Freddie's after him. And he's like, what? And she hangs up and finds him on the freeway, just walking into traffic. And mm-hmm. for, for Freddie is coming out of the clouds and grabbing Dylan with his crazy claw. And it's mm-hmm. just like. And I keep imagining, what are the people in traffic seeing? Are they just seeing a child <laughs> being levitated by this unknown force? That's terrifying. I and guess so, so. yeah. It's kind of <clears throat> like that scene in um, Dream Warriors where, um, uh, what's his name? Where he's like, oh, uh, Philip. Yeah. By the, yeah. Yeah. Dragged by his like tendons out and he's like a little marionette type. So scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Heather is, you know, jumping a- across cars and the freeway trying to get to Dylan and she gets hit by a car. 
and <laughs> she's um, fine. She's fine. And the guy's like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "I'm fine. Where's my son? Where's my son?" And she, rushes. "I'm a final girl. I'll be fine." Yeah, it's like, "Don't worry about me. I gotta find my kid." And Heather chases after him and goes into the house. And John is there, and he's all like, "What's going on?" And she's like, "I gotta find Dylan." And he's like, "He's fine. He's right there. And he's just in the living room, just chilling out." And he's fine, Nancy. It'll be fine. Yeah. And she's like, Nancy, what the hell? And he's like, let's go talk outside. And she's like, okay, uh, stay right there, Dylan. Don't move. Please, dear God, do not move. And then all of a sudden he hears this weird noise upstairs. And that's when his bed starts starts to shake and all this dust comes out, out of it. And Freddie rises from mm-hmm. the from the bed. And as Heather's talking to John outside, it's like, you know, he keeps calling her Nancy. And he's like, don't go crazy like your mother did. And she's like, why are you calling me Nancy, John? And he's like, why are you calling me John? Right. It's a good parallel because like the Freddie, when he like finally does break through the barrier, it like happens when she decides to like take over mm-hmm. the role of Nancy. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a callback to the original movie where like she had to like literally pull him from the dream into reality. Right. Um, in order to kill him. So it's a fun little carry over there. <clears throat> I love it. And now... He's out in the world, ready to do some damage, and she has crossed over into film world, I guess, as Nancy, because then John slash Detective Thompson gets in his car and drives away, and she turns around, and she is in the Nancy pajamas now somehow, and the Mm -hmm. house is now the house from the movie. She's like, what the fuck? Great. She goes in there, and the music is just blasting. It's fantastic so beautiful i could cry mm-hmm. and uh she goes in there and grabs a knife and she's like tr- trying to find out where Dil- dylan is and she sees this trail of like sleeping pills and she she starts to take them because she's like you're inviting me to join you that's what it is and so she takes these pills which work very quickly i might add very right. quickly and right. she 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 gets to his bed bedroom and goes under the covers and takes the right. last pill and then sees that under his covers is like this big tunnel, like a big slide. Right. And I, I don't remember if we mentioned, in. you might've mentioned it earlier, but it's like, that's why he had the Rex there to like mm-hmm. keep from having this giant portal to hell from basically opening yeah, up and, you know, I guess so. and, uh, and he makes some comment like, well, it looks different when you're not here. Right. But now she 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 sees, she sees the full Freddy slide, it. and boy mm-hmm. does she go down there, and there's water flying out, and cobwebs, and like broken pieces of trees and shit. <laughs> like, oh it's yeah, it's very down there. gothic <laughs> horror. It's so Again, cool. Like this ancient like tomb for some evil entity that's been here like all these years, and being yeah, it's know, like kept in this place. Yeah, it just it just it's like this big water slide that just goes all the way down into this tomb. And she wakes up and she's all like, Dylan, where are you? And you can see Freddy's just, you know, chilling in the background, waiting to make his move. And she yeah. and she sees the script, this script just sitting there and she goes and she reads it and she's reading exactly what she's thinking and doing at the moment. She's like, mm-hmm. what the hell? And then all, all of a sudden Dylan pops out and she's all like, oh, it's just you. And then Freddy shows up and there's a big fight and he like throws her against a wall and throws her in, in into this pit of like eels and snakes and stuff. And she right. she sticks one <laughs> in his eye and then is all like, fuck you, and like punches him in the face. And then yeah, he's Dylan got some like little and, bits of, of humor here, but like it's yeah. still very dark. Like even yeah. like that scene where we're going to get to like where um, 
Dylan runs in like a little cubby or alley or mm-hmm. whatever, and he can't quite reach him. And so his arm has to like, Oh you know, my God. Uh, extend, which like in, a, in one of the sequels, like if that happened, it would be like this really campy thing, but here it's like creepy. It's fun. really it's, creepy. That yeah. was actually the scene that probably freaked me out the most as, as a kid. And when his, his mm-hmm. entire head just like, it, right explodes and turns into this oh my god it's just like your worst possible possible fear Mm -hmm. as a kid Mm -hmm. and uh and yeah so he he knocks heather out for a bit and starts to chase dylan and he finally hides in in like this furnace thing right and then heather wakes up and grabs the knife and goes after him but then she gets caught in these quicksand steps and then she finally pulls out and then stabs him right as he's about to eat Dylan and then he turns around and like sticks out his tongue and it just wraps around her and Dylan has to escape through this other window and mm-hmm. go around and pick up the knife and stab the tongue and then it goes it just gets sucked right back into Freddy and then they turn on this lever thing mm-hmm. and it starts up the fur furnace and they lock him in there like the witch and Hansel and Gretel and right. he like explodes into this demon and then there's like all these explosions and they have to like run down the stairs and back into like the pool where I guess they swim back to the real world I, I don't know and then they just like they, I, I guess so they just fall out of the bed back yeah. home and they're like wow that was something else and next to them mm-hmm. is a full script with a little inscription by uh Wes he's all like thank you for having the courage to play Nancy one last time and Dylan's all like read it to me and she reads him the script yeah and that's the end of Wes Craven's new nightmare seems like a creepy bedtime story but I guess after living it you know nothing can be as scary it can't be that bad actually scaring it so it'll help you know it'll help with the trauma right I I think trauma trauma. it's a film about trauma (laughs) what isn't I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Great movie. It's so. Great movie. It's just. It's too fucking smart. Like I don't know how. Yeah. It's very intelligent. How it someone even on... com- comes up with this idea? It's just so br- brilliant. It works on like a surface level. It works on a cerebral level. It just. It's. It's. It's great stuff. I, I think it's. It's probably the movie that is the least about Freddy Krueger, but that's okay because it's more about like these people and their relationship to this. Mm-hmm fictional character over the years and how it has yeah. changed and how you know it has sort of consumed their lives in probably good and bad ways you know mm-hmm. um i think if you were to talk to heather Langenkamp, she would probably say you know i think she has said in the past it's like well you know th- she's grateful for the opportunities that this you know franchise has given her and like made her like a household name and everything um but you know there's a darker side to that as well that you know that the the fame of being in something um always tends to rear its head and i think by this point Wes craven was kind of not sick of sick of this franchise but he didn't like where it had gone and um because he it's important to note note folks he, he didn't want to make a sequel initially at all like mm-hmm. um uh but they, they ended up making nightmare on elm street 2 regardless um yeah and then when they were gonna do a third one he was like okay well if you're gonna do it anyway then i might as well you know write it um or um, co-write it anyway and uh yeah so it was just it was just cool to see him get to do something on his own terms for this and um kind of explore the relationship between um, himself and uh, Heather and how Heather's career and family life have been affected over the years because of um, this franchise and uh, you know, the, the fans and their relationship to the franchise and the sort of entitlement they have over, you know, Freddie as a character and um, 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, like I said, there's, there's, it's got a lot to say on um, a lot of levels. It's got yeah. levels. This movie kind of takes a little bit, like some jabs at some of the sort of toxic, you know, fandom that, mm-hmm. um, you know, the people who don't really necessarily care about these, the characters as much yeah. as they do just seeing a monster, like kill people. For yeah. And I don't know, yeah. like, I don't want to like, like point the finger too much. Cause there's nothing wrong with like watching people die on screen or whatever. You know, some people that's no. just like, they get the, that's what it, but I do think it gets to a point where it's like, you know, like people like Heather Langenkamp, like this is a real human being who has outside of these movies has a real life. And, um, you know, and it was just interesting to see, like, ha- this is like one of the few movies, I, movies I can think of where like you actually see that on screen and like how, um, like a final girl, you know, actress, like how their life has been affected by, um, yeah, this franchise over the years. I, I can't really think of anything else that has done anything yeah, like I this really. Think of that. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, just, yeah. And just it, this it, sort of notion of evil and yeah, uh, the, you know. how it, you know, it's the the way we keep evil at bay is to acknowledge it and actually tell stories mm-hmm. about it or else it does take over you know right i think it, right. it it if you try to repress it or you try to ban ban it it finds ways to get back and it just gets stronger yeah and i yeah. love that you know he's sort of telling the audience that you know you 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 can't hide this you have to confront it Right, and, and, that's and that's really what the, that's what what the, the f- movie is, yeah. yeah. And and that's what the first one was basically about, too, because you True. have this yeah. character who is the only one who is willing to face the truth. I love that, and I, I think that's why Wes wasn't thrilled with the original ending of the film that was kind of imposed upon him, because mm-hmm. I think in the original script, Nancy wakes up, talks to her mom, drives off with her friends, and that's kind of it. You're like, I don't right. really know what happened there. Um, right. but they wanted a sequel. They had a feeling this was going to be a hit and they wanted a sequel. And I think this is also him kind of coming to terms with that and sort of taking back his original in, in intent with the film. Yeah. You know, about yeah. trying to face your fears and right. conquering things. And that's why I and love like, him. Yeah. And acknowledging that, like, at least in his mind, like this franchise really only works when Heather is sort of like, like in this movie, she's even referred to as like the only guardian who can like, Mm-hmm. prevent you know freddie from being there yeah. and um yeah so I, she's sort of the focal point for that and his sort of heroine and i think that's why he was very grateful to like have her back and like that's why he even like leaves that note at the end of the movie like this whole movie is i mean even the name is pretty clever you know it's yeah. west craven's new nightmare because it's literally just like him writing this movie while the movie is playing you know it's it's yeah it's it's clever and it's like it, it's not really, again, it's not really about Freddie so much as, I mean, Freddie in a sense, but it's Freddie representing this sort of um, primordial evil force thing that can like spread. Right. And um, if you're not careful, but you know. Hmm. yeah, I, I, I do think he's sort of taking back the narrative where Freddie is a supporting player. Right. And Nancy is the lead. I mean, that's right. what yeah. his intention was. And I think he knew that it had strayed so far from that by the point that they asked him to do this, that, you know, he was like, well, let's go back to the, what actually worked, which is something that a lot of people who make sequels for some reason, never stop to think about like, why did the first one work? Why was that a hit? I feel like this is him being like, let's take it back to the beginning where it actually worked and ended on that note. And I, I, I like to feel like this is, you know, this really is the, the last one. I mean, I guess you can say Freddy oh. versus Jason, sort of, but not really. 
right. and the that remake definitely so not different. So. Oh god, no, no. So it's yeah. it really does feel like this was the last one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, uh, look at us putting on our professorial hats. God, isn't it exhausting? Trash. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> my mind is blown. Trying to pretend like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Well, God. that's isn't that everybody? <laughs> Just keep talking until something <laughs> kind of smart comes up, and then you can edit out anything stupid. There. Did anything <laughs> stick in this entire episode? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Oh, this is what this movie does oh, wow, to wow. me. It makes me want to be smarter. <laughs> it really does. But then some people are too smart, and then they just get too in, into the, or they're just too not necessarily too smart, but too like analytical, analytical about things. Yeah. yeah, and like we don't need to analyze every little thing that happens in this yeah. movie, and like you know, this scene is a representation of yada yada yada. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm more about like big picture things, folks. Like, what, me what's too. The, the meaning behind this? Yeah, like when but, she twirls her pinky in that one scene, that's a callback to the expressionistic French painter, and you're like, what is it really? Is it? Put it in your dissertation, grad student. Yeah, I don't have time for these shenanigans. Come on, come on. is it a fun movie or not? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Is it fun? Does it make me think a little bit? That's all I need. Yeah. Is it at least about something? Yeah. Does it have something to say about something? Yeah. And this one does. It has so much it to does. say. So much Lots to teach us. Like the best mm-hmm. films, each viewing gives you more to work with. That's true. Even beyond the grave, he's still teaching us things. That's mm. nice to we think about. You, Wes. We got a interesting little lineup this month. Um we got some Indeed. families in peril, which this movie had a little bit of a family in peril set up too. So uh, it's going to be good. It's not quite as um, uh, strict as some of our previous monthly themes, but we're just no. kind of keeping it open ended. But there'll be some families, yeah. you know. And um, family and fear. Yes. Um, I guess it's my week for an overlooked gem. Uh, yes. What you uh, I was trying us? to remember the title of this before we started, which is always a good sign when you can't remember the title <laughs> of the movie. But. <laughs> Overlooked for a reason, perhaps? I don't know. Oh, but I mean, it's a terrible title, so there's that. Um, <laughs> like, literally the worst title here. This movie is Horror in... Horror, not Horror. Horror <laughs> in the High Desert. Horror in the High Desert. Now, that that, that was an art title. film. I remember that now, film, yes. Well, that's a great... Good stuff. <laughs> but Horror in the High Desert, not so much. Not so great. Um, oh, yeah. Don't know who came up with that. Not a great uh, But name. this is a little, like... Uh, found footage-ish type movie. It's more like um, Lake Mungo, where you get a lot of those interviews kind of um, throughout, and uh, then it has a kind of crazy final act when things sort of come together. Uh, what's it about? Uh, you got this experienced outdoor enthusiast who vanished in northern Nevada while he was on this excursion. Um, and then you have his family and friends, and I believe this news anchor, who have, like, over the years been trying to put together what actually happened to him. So you see footage of like um, the stuff that they found over the years and kind of their relationship to each other, which is kind of frayed because like the news reporter seemed like initially she was just trying to get like, you know, a story that made her kind of famous or something. But then she kind of became very attached to it over the years and learning about who this person was. Um, So they throughout the whole movie, you're kind of learning about this guy and how he... um, found out uh, this kind of urban legend about something that was going on in the desert and um, slowly gets closer and closer to it. And it's got kind of interesting things. He uses this like Twitch type software or whatever, like where people can like talk to him while he's like exploring and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of got this interesting stuff about like how, um, again, the kind of a toxic fan type stuff where like these people, all the people that are watching him 
want to see him do crazier and crazier things. So he does crazier and crazier things just to keep them happy. Um, and he has some kind of, um, he's on the spectrum. I can't remember exactly um, um, what's going on there, but um, he's also gay, which they reveal at one point too. And um, uh, yeah, he, so he kind of retreated into this um, online life because his own life was, you know, kind of nuts. Um, but yeah, he just started doing crazier and crazier things and going further and further into the woods without telling anyone. And um, in the final act of this movie, you do find out what happened to him. And it's actually my least favorite part of the movie. It's one of those movies where like kind of, I think give away a little bit too much in the final act. Oh, yeah. um, uh, they show you more than I think could have just told you. Um, mm. Because when you finally see like what happened, it's kind of like, mm, I would have been, I think better off just imagining uh, what happened, but everything leading up, up to that was pretty enjoyable. And like I said, it does have kind of a moody Lake Mungo sort of vibe to it. Um, this was a Stacy Ponder recommendation, and she's always got great things to um, recommend. Um, so, uh, yeah, check it out. I don't remember where I watched it. It's out there somewhere. Um, yes. You can follow us, as always. Mm-hmm. H-O-H-H podcast. That is on Facebook. That is also on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Homos and Hot Until, all one word. Like I said earlier, we have a new website, homosandhotdetail.com. Uh, check out all of our little goodies there. Yeah. And... Um, we're on Letterboxd. We are everywhere around the net. You can leave us a review on iTunes. Please be nice if you do. Thank you to those who have. Always wonderful to hear from y'all. Um, yeah, we hope everyone had a great Halloween. Um, this mm-hmm. is airing the day after Halloween. So yes. um, we know people tend to get a little moody after all that. But uh, yeah. um, November and December have their charms too. So just they do. embrace it. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week for some we will. spooky uh families in peril type stuff and uh are you ready are you ready for freddy they were not they were they were not not. spoiler alert they this was the first this was our first nightmare on elm street movie we've Mm. covered so we still got many more at some point man that's kind of crazy it is it is a good one though no it's i mean it's one of the best it's one of the best okay well that's all folks Bye, y'all. Goodbye.